Hi, I am Pastor Wright, and welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast which prepares you for Sunday and beyond. This will take place as we discuss the topics and ideas behind the readings to better understand what is going on so that we may meet our Lord as he comes to us in sermon, liturgy, and hymnody. This is the second Sunday in Lent, and we get to discuss St. Mark chapter 8. And if you want to hear all the readings, you can hear them on the readings podcast that was dropped on Sunday evening. And this is an interesting text. In fact, if you were in church or saw church on our live stream, Vicar actually preached with this in his sermon. This wasn't the emphasis of his sermon, but it's Peter making the great confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and then immediately trying to stop Jesus from being the Christ, the Son of the living God, by going and dying on the cross. Yeah, yeah. I talked about this uh, about a week or two ago on Transfiguration Sunday and And Saturday. (laughs) and, And there's a lot happening. And the text is bigger than just this one event. But because this is such a big event, I I think we're going to pretty much limit ourselves to Peter's confession, Peter's rebuke, Jesus' rebuke. And so everybody gets rebuked, but Jesus comes out on top, (laughs) as he should, and we get to have and hear the benefit for that. So again, we have Jesus walking with the disciples, asks the question, who do people say I am? You're Elijah, other prophets, uh, John the Baptist. Yep, yep. But then he changes that question, who do you say I am? Which I think is really big. And I do think it's a test. Oh. I've been with you for three years. Yeah. Have you learned anything? Do you know who I am? Right, because this question is directed to his, to his disciples. Right. His closest followers. And, and it's not the, the, you know, the celebrity asking the question, do you know who I am? <laughs> it's, I have taught you. And I have shown you, and I really like that. Mm. I have shown you. Have you made the connection? And this isn't a pass or fail, and this isn't a, I want to see how smart you are. Have you received what I've been doing? Well, I think what I said about two weeks ago was this is really an identity question. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know who I am? Um, do you, are you able to, to see uh, exactly who, exactly what I am. And that's a, that's a crucial question, especially when we're talking about Jesus, because um, who he is is so important, um, that he is someone so unique, that his, his position and authority are, are one of a kind and divine, and his role and his purpose are connected to these Old Testament promises of the Messiah. Well, and, and it's title but the title is who he is and what he is. He's the Redeemer. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. Uh, That's, you know, who he is in part of the the Trinity. That's what he's doing on earth. That's what he's been given to uh, be here. And and so all of this is wrapped up. And we have Peter who gets the answer right. 
And I like the fact, as you said in your sermon and as we were discussing this before we recorded, he's the spokesman for the disciples. Yeah. And he's answering for mm-hmm. all of them. You are the Christ. And I, I love that because it's straightforward and you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And we hear in the other gospels that uh, Jesus says, you didn't receive this because yep. somebody told you. You receive this because the Holy Spirit has given this to you. It's a revelation. It's a special revelation. This just doesn't happen. Jesus's identity is something that's revealed. It's not something Peter figured out or was, you know, passed down through the telephone line. Uh, he, it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, is what is what Jesus says in some of the other Gospels. And that's a really huge, huge deal, because again, it doesn't just happen. And then Jesus starts teaching mm. and makes this huge statement, and it is about his death. Yes. He says that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. Now, does this sound familiar to any of you? Do you know the event that Jesus is referring to? I I hope that you do, because it's probably one of the most well-known events in all of of Christian history. Uh, Jesus is talking about his crucifixion on the cross. He will be uh, killed because of the elders and chief priests and scribes who will take him to Pontius Pilate, get him uh, convicted of a crime at the cries of the crowd, and they will take him to the cross and kill him. But then Jesus will be raised from the dead after three days. We know that story. The, the disciples. Yeah. We know the full story. The disciples don't. Yeah, this is the second time? This is the first time. The first this time. This is okay. the first time Jesus has ever explicitly said, this is what he's here to do, and this is what's going to happen. Well, and that's why St. Mark says, and he said this, plainly. Yep. Notice there's no flower, flowery language. He's not trying to allegorize this or or make a, yeah, a bigger it's point. It's not a parable, right. you know. Straightforward. Suffer, elders rejected, chief priests rejected, killed. And I've always tried to figure out, again, St. Mark says, he said this plainly, but trying to figure out Jesus' facial expressions. Oh, yeah. Is it just a matter of fact? Hey, I have some information. I need to let you know. You know, later this is going to happen. Yeah. Just, just so you know, you know, keep a note. Or was this a serious? His voice changed, and he brings them in. I have something very important to tell you. Mm. I'm going to suffer. The chief priest, the elders, the scribes—they're going to reject me, and I am going to die. Yeah. But rest assured, I will be raised three days. Now, you know, that, that's a dramatic, you know, statement. I mean, no matter how you say it, I mean, I don't know if I could say it with a smile. Right. I, I don't know how to make this a happy thing. Right. And I don't know the tone uh, that Jesus maybe had when he was, you know, saying this. Maybe we could ask some of the people that uh, put on the uh, mark. Oh, yeah, that, that might be good. Uh, because uh, there, there's a group of, of seminary professors and others who put on a dramatic telling word for word of the Gospel of Mark. And they have to put everything, they have to attach a tone because right, they're, right. they're dramatically uh, telling the Gospel. I'd be curious how they, uh, how they say this. 
In, in my mind's eye, I think uh, Jesus is just matter of fact, straightforward. He's not glossing over, yeah, but he's also not making this this big dramatic thing. Um, and again, I don't think it's just passing information. It's this is what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and I think he does it because he wants to have this fresh in everybody's mind as he continues to do miracles, preaching and teaching, because now it's going to point to this instead of just simply his divinity or simply his connection to the Father. Now it's going to be the application of why I am sent, right? who I am. It's here and you're going to see my might and power. But now at the same time, he can't overwhelm (laughs) the disciples with, hey, I'm God. Let me show you everything. Mm. I I think if God came down and did that, our heads would blow up, literally. (laughs) So Peter takes this information, and I love what St. Mark says. And again, in my mind's eye, I think of him, I think Peter is bigger than Jesus. I don't know why. Like physically? Physically. And he takes him by the arm and says, Jesus, come here. And he's doing this nicely, but kind of pulls him aside. And as we hear, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Uh, Jesus, you can't do this. And and, and Peter does this not because he's mean, not because he's a bully or anything. This is a a, a knee-jerk gut reaction to hearing about his teacher, hearing about his friend. And his friend just said, hey, guys, want to let you know I'm going to die. And it's going to be horrific. Well, and and think about this. What would you do if one of your friends said this to you? Right, yeah. Um, Or or if one of your teachers or or someone that you had like a close relationship. Yeah, somebody you cared about. Came and said, um, hey, guys, I I think I'm going to die. And it's not just like, oh, I have this like hunch. Like they're like scarily specific about how how this is going to happen. Um, and it doesn't seem like they necessarily want this to happen, but they're like, well, these people are going to do this to me, and and that's what's going to happen. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, well, the, let's back up here. Yeah. Don't go. Yeah, it's very problem, simple. Problem solved. Uh, and I, I don't think Jesus says this is going to happen in Jerusalem here. I right. think later on he says that. Yeah. Uh, but it'd be like, okay, well, if that's where this is going to happen, then don't go there. Yeah. If the chief priests and scribes are going to do this to you, uh, let's not hang out with them anymore. Uh, clearly they're not good for us then. Um, and, and so like in, in a certain sense, I see Peter's reaction as, as rational, reasonable, um, emotional. I'll say, yeah, because I'll push back on the, the reason and logical. Um, I, I get what you're saying from a practical point of view. If we go over there, we'll die. So don't go over there. But I'll, I'll push more emotional. Yeah. Just the fact, Jesus, I don't want you to die. Mm-hmm. And not for any of the bad reasons. Um, it's you're my friend. It's just like a transfiguration. Let me build three tents to keep you here, to keep Moses here, to keep Elijah here. Oh, by the way, I'm saying this because I don't know what else to say. Right. Uh, again, knee-jerk gut reaction. And, and logic plays a role in there only mm-hmm. in the sense of self-preservation, which I think then goes back again to emotional. We're all about keeping people alive. Right, which and, is normally a good thing. Right, and that statement at the end, after three days will rise again. Being good Jews, they believe in the resurrection. They do, just like the Pharisees do. Right. But like me, like you, and even like you, dear listener, you know people don't come back from the dead. No. We look for the resurrection, but that's the resurrection of everybody. Like if I said... 
I'm going to rise from the dead. You would assume I was talking about when Jesus comes back. Right. You would not assume that I was meaning, oh, come and check out the tomb in three days. I'll be hanging out then. Yeah. And for that reason, again, it shows me Peter doesn't get it. No. Even after making this great confession, you are the Christ. I don't know what that means. Right. He he gets the title. Right. He gets the title right. Um, he knows what the identity is. He doesn't understand what that identity really means. And fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um, what this really shows is that like a lot of the other uh, Jews of the time and a lot of the other Hebrew scholars of the time, they didn't quite understand the Old Testament prophecies that pointed towards the necessity of the suffering servant. Um, I'm thinking specifically a lot of those prophecies in Isaiah. Mm -hmm. uh, they did not understand exactly what God meant by those. Um, they didn't understand that the Messiah would suffer on behalf of God's people. That, that was not some, a part of how they thought about this. They knew that the Messiah was supposed to save them. Well, he's going to be the conquering Messiah. He's going to take right. over Rome. The Jews will rule the world. Well, and I'll put this quite frankly, you can't do that if you're dead. Right. Um, so you've got your friend saying this. You've also got the leader in which you've placed all of your hope saying this. Yeah, you don't win a war by dying. No, you do not. The other guy has to die for you to win. Yes, I believe that's that's basic war theory. Right. <laughs> and so with Peter taking Jesus, and again, like I said, by the arm, uh, uh, taking him aside, I think Jesus turns. And I think he does this very smooth. Yeah. And, and again, you, if you could get into my head the idea that he takes this, he listens to Peter, he doesn't raise his voice. Um, I think there are only one, not only one time, but... Uh, one time that I see Jesus yelling, and that's when he's uh, he has the whip in, in the, the in the temple. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't think this is an angry statement of Jesus, but I think he looks directly at Peter. Get behind me, Satan! For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And I think he says this quietly, and I think it cuts Peter. Ooh. And and it's like um. Everybody has the, this person in their life that um, you're not, when you do something wrong and they say, I'm disappointed. Mm -hmm. And that hurts because you know you let them down. Yeah. It's not punishment. It's not, you know, guilt. You know, you just let them down. Ugh. And I, I think this is what happens to Peter. And again, I'm, I'm putting a lot of feeling and thought onto projecting onto St. Peter but he just got called Satan. Mm. And, and not that Jesus is saying that Peter is the devil, but anybody who tries to thwart or get in the way of God's will is Satan or the Antichrist or anything like that. Yeah, I was going to ask what you kind of thought about that super strong rebuke, right? you know, saying, get behind me, uh, Satan. And it sounds like what you're saying is that um, anyone that stands in the way of what Jesus came to do is doing the will of the devil because the devil is the one who opposes the will and plan of God. Absolutely. The adversary, the deceiver, uh, anything he can do to get in the way of God fulfilling his plan and rule. And there it is. Peter falls right into that. Yeah. So essentially he's kind of saying, uh, um, don't get 
in the way of this. Right. Peter. And, and I, I know Peter feels horrible for this. Yeah. I don't think he knows why. He just knows that he's disappointed Jesus. He knows he did something wrong. He he doesn't know quite what it is yet because he still doesn't understand what why Jesus is here. Right. He still doesn't understand what Jesus is here to do. Jesus will explain that he's here to suffer and die for the sake of others. Uh, he'll explain it two more times before he finally goes to Jerusalem um, and dies. But this... Let's let's not gloss over the fact how how crazy this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the conquering Messiah Messiah will instead suffer and be defeated. Why? Because this is how God will reign, not by the defeating of evil and enemies through violent force, but by the enduring and suffering to it for the sake of redeeming it. Well, and, and I believe even on this podcast, we've made the statement that there on the cross, which looks broken, beaten, and defeated, is the power and might of God at work. Yes. That is victory. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to have your friend, your teacher, God himself say, I will suffer and die. That just doesn't make sense. Well, and, and honestly... When we talk about God, this is usually one of the first things to go. Mm-hmm. We get the oh, ti- yeah. we get the titles right. right. God, mighty uh, power. Yeah, we 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 sing the songs that have you know all the titles, uh, the might and glory and power and greatness of of God and Jesus. Uh, that usually sticks around. Uh, what we are much quicker to lose is what Jesus came to do, specifically his work on the cross, his blood poured out for you. As Peter and Isaiah both say, by his wounds, mm-hmm. you are healed. Through the suffering of Jesus, through his death and defeat is your victory because through this, your relationship with God is forever changed because Jesus has paid the ransom that was yours taken the death that was yours, which is one of the reasons the cross is so ugly mm-hmm. because that's the death we deserve. And Christ who doesn't deserve it has paid it, which doesn't make sense. It's not reasonable. It's not rational. Um, but he's done it for us. Well, and St. Paul in the, the Romans text for this Sunday, uh, verse six, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Yes, that's you. Yes, that's me. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one might dare to even die. But God shows his love for us. And again, that us is all of us in that while we were still sinners, while Peter still didn't get it, oh, yeah, Christ died for us. And again, that, that, that weak aspect, uh, how much we think we know about God. And I, I like how you, you presented it. We're quick to say how powerful, how mighty God is. Oh, and, and he became human and died. But he in his might forgives through the cross. And, and how quickly we, we, we pass that by because we want to deal with the bigness and the safeness of those mighty abstract things. 
Well, and the cro- it cross does not make emotional sense to us. Right. It, it does not make rational sense to us. We don't know what to do with right. it. Right, yeah. And I, I love the, that it really kind of hits you. Uh, we have the, the cross that we always have for Lent in the sanctuary. Yeah, and it's big. And I, I've never seen it before, but it, it was the first place my eyes went well, and when I walked into the sanctuary. What's great about that is for my sermons, intentional or unintentional, I can't help but pointing, there is the act of salvation. Yeah, the cross is the elephant in the room right. through Lent. I, I love that imagery that we have in our sanctuary right now. And, and again, it doesn't make sense because this instrument of death, torture, the horrific way to die, and we're to gather around it in celebration? And we do. Yeah. And that's not because we're, you know, sadomasochists or right, something yeah. like that, uh, but because through this, God has called this good. Right. Because through this, God has sent his son to bring us salvation, to restore us to him, to give us eternal life and the forgiveness of sins, to defeat death and the devil upon this instrument of suffering. But see, and, and that's the, the amazing part, this instrument of suffering becomes the instrument of our life. And we truly get to look at this in the awe and majesty of what it is, salvation delivered in and through Christ. Yeah. And it also helps us recognize, especially during the Lenten season, the depths of our sin caused this. And for the sake of Christ, my sins, your sins are forgiven. And how awesome is that? But we have to deal with that. And we don't go past the cross. And I, I love the fact that this becomes truly the theology of the cross, not the theology of the glory, but theology of the cross. We stop at the cross and we live in, through, and uh, because of the cross forever and ever and ever. And that's what St. Peter didn't get. Yep. And he doesn't get until Acts after the Pentecost and everything. Well, and, and, that's and, when he, bold. and that's when he gets the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. Yes. And that's when he becomes bold. I mean, he points out uh, uh, Christ, the one you crucified, and he puts himself in there. Yeah. Uh, but he gets it. And again, with, with uh, the statement that Jesus makes, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I think this brings us to the Lord's Prayer. Let your will be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, deliver us from the devil. Uh, lead us not into temptation. All these things that we are quick to do. We want God to do what we want, how we want, when we want, where we want. Uh, we quickly fall into temptation because, again, we want to do what we want to do. And the evil one is right there to guide, lead, and usher us away from not only the confession, but the cross. And as we have entered into this Lenten season, I get to graciously invite you to join us either in person, and that is on Saturday for our Saturday worship service at 6 o'clock, Sunday at 8 a.m., which is live streamed, and then 10.30. And we also have our weekly Lenten midweek services, which take place at 4 p.m., Yeah, and those midweek services will have a whole bunch of different preachers who will be coming here to to preach and to bring God's good news to us here. God's peace and blessings.
am very thankful that you have joined us for Get Right for Sunday. I know your time is valuable, and I appreciate that you joined us to listen, discuss, and learn what our Lord gives to us through the gospel. You can join us here at Holy Cross on Saturday at 6 p.m. and on Sunday at 8 a.m. and 10.30. God's peace and blessings be upon you.